Hi everyone, I'm your host Leah and you're listening to Raising Orion, a podcast dedicated to parenting and well-being for a more beautiful world. Fundamentally, we'll be exploring what helps us flourish and thrive. Thank you so much for being here. changed my life in so many ways. I'd like to dedicate this episode to my story with it, how I came across it, um, and how it really helped to empower me as a parent. Uh, and, And that's why I decided to become an aware parenting instructor. So for those of you not familiar with it, it is a philosophy of parenting developed by a developmental psychologist by the name of Aletha Solter, PhD. She is known as an expert in attachment theory, non-punitive discipline, and trauma, which is exactly, you know, basically the three main tenets of aware parenting. Secure attachment, non-punitive discipline, meaning discipline with no punishments or no rewards, and healing and prevention from stress and trauma. So when Ori, my son, was eight months old, uh, I my sleep was scarce. It was not in great shape. I wasn't in great shape. I, um, I, I was sick. Like my immune system wasn't great. I still hadn't really co- recovered well postpartum. Um, yeah, I was struggling with a, a lot of things, and sleep was not great. Um, at night, Ori would wake every two hours still at eight months and I was comfort nursing I was very much and I still am a very much attachment style mama so there was a lot of baby wearing feeding on demand Um, but at this point at night waking with Ori waking up crying and I would feed him he would go back to sleep I intuitively felt that something wasn't right so he would wake frequently and I would nurse him, um, but he would be uncomfortable because, you know, he would have gas or he would need to burp and he would like burp up some milk and then he would cry again and then I would wake up and then I would feed him and he would go back to sleep and it was a never ending story. Um, And I intuitively felt that his, um, that nursing him wasn't what he needed um, and, and I didn't feel like it was right, but I also didn't know what else to do. So if you look at all the attachment, um, very attachment focused styles of parenting, there was, they would tell me, you know, on one side of the spectrum, it would be like, okay, continue comfort nursing and not sleeping great. And, and that's okay kind of thing. But I also was like, you know, I have needs too, and I really need to sleep. And then on the other side of the spectrum, there's the sleep training camp, which I knew I didn't want to do. I knew I didn't want to leave him to cry alone and sleep training simply wasn't an option for me. So I felt kind of stuck, to be honest. I asked Google, I asked a lot of things. I was part of Facebook groups um, and I just, I didn't know what to do. I felt like I didn't have you know, I didn't really have much choice. I was like, either I just keep waking and doing this, even though it kind of doesn't feel right anymore, meaning comfort nursing every two hours and him not having great sleep, me not having great sleep, the whole family waking up also, you know, um, 
And then on the other side of the camp was the sleep training, which I also did really didn't resonate with me. So I was at a loss. Um, and a dear friend, until a dear friend and a fellow kinesiologist recommended I listen to the Aware Parenting Podcast, the episode on sleep, which I will link to below in the show notes. Um, and this podcast by Lael Stone and Marion Rose, PhD, is amazing. It I fell in love with them and Aware Parenting almost instantly in the sense that I resonate, it resonated so deeply with me and uh, just listening to Lael and Marion's voice was so comforting to me and it, I, I don't know, just everything they said really seemed to make sense. Um, so what was really key in that episode was the suggestion that to consider feelings and needing to cry to release stress and tension. So I was thinking crying was, you know, he's hungry or he needs to be fed or he needs to be on the breast. Um, but in the suggest, you know, what they suggested in the episode was to consider feelings and that actually he needed to cry to release stress and tension. And that doesn't mean leaving them alone to cry by all means. It means being with them while they cry, like crying while someone is present with you. Um, and what I learned is that babies cry for two reasons, you know, one to communicate a need, um, like hunger, needing a clean nappy, um, interaction maybe, like it. Or the second reason is to express feelings or to release stress and heal from trauma. Um, so this really just kind of made sense to me because in my kinesiology practice, clients can often have a release or a huge cry during their session. I mean, I have cried during many of my own sessions, like whether it's kinesiology or some sort of healing session or therapy, and I always feel better afterwards. You know, you always feel lighter and more relaxed. And, and you know, what I also learned when I was training to become a kinesiologist is that tears are always welcome. It just means we're letting go, things are shifting, you know? So in this sense, having explained to me in terms of, you know, crying actually being some sort of mechanism, like a physiological mechanism in our bodies to release stress and tension. I was like, oh, wow, that actually makes sense. So the next thing is my friend, um, the same friend who recommended the podcast episode also suggested that I reach out to um, Rebecca Shake of Flourishing Childhood. She's a level two aware parenting instructor. Um, so I reached out just to have a consultation to see what she said, even though I kind of, from the, you know, I had already by that point ordered the Aware Baby, which is um, Aletha Solter's book, which I highly suggest for everyone. It is a great, if you're interested in this, it is, it is, I found, you know, I always refer to it and even in my practice, um, so I had a consultation with Rebecca Shake and continue to have ongoing support sessions with her. I felt so supported during the session and she was so helpful. She kind of like confirmed like what I felt like I needed to do, which was really, um, which was really actually, you know, being more mindful of um, what hunger cues look like, what and what needing to cry looked like meaning I don't know if I'm explaining this clearly but um being more mindful of when Ori needed to cry and listening to him and being there while he cried um and also 
knowing when he was crying for hunger. So um, what I think I really needed and what really made sense as well as in aware parenting, there's something called crying in arms, which is when, you know, you know your baby is not hungry or, you know, they have all their immediate needs met and really they just need to cry to release stress and to release tension and to heal from trauma. Um, and this really just resonated with me because we had a very complicated birth. So, um, and we were separated after birth as well. So Ori did cry a lot um, on comparatively with other babies. Um, so this and he and I did notice he would kind of like hold his clench his fists and hold his hands like really arms really close to his body and he just seemed stressed like I could recognize those signs and so I felt that you know I had nothing to lose but just try holding him and listening to him cry knowing that he had a full belly and a clean nappy and all of those things um so the first time I did it um, Ori cried a lot, which made sense given, you know, babies have reasons to cry. Stimulation, they're going through so much. Um, I think we often underestimate how sensitive babies are and they, and he had a very, you know, I would have to say traumatic birth because it was traumatic for me as well. I it ended in an emergency cesarean. It was a very stressful time. We were separated for 24 hours afterwards. Um, so anyways, Ori cried a lot with me holding him. And I was so distressed while I was holding him as well. Um, and it was hard not to like bounce him or to rock him or you know, do all the things that I did to distract him from crying previously, which was um, comfort nursing and bouncing and movement, you know, swinging him, sort of not swinging him, but rocking him or bouncing him um, on one of that we had a maternity ball. So we use that a lot as well or singing to him. Or, um, so I held him and he cried a lot and I was sweating profusely. I could feel like adrenaline coursing through my veins. And, and that's also when I realized that I had my own stresses around listening to crying, you know, um, and, and, and listening to big feelings and my own feelings around big feelings, if that makes sense. But anyways, the first time we did it, I cried a lot. I held him. Um, I told him I'm listening. I'm here. I love you. I kind of just kept repeating those three things because I didn't really know what to say at that point. Um, and it felt very awkward for me because I just, it's funny because in my client sessions, I allow, you know, if that's what the client needs in their healing process to cry and release or whatever, um, I don't interfere with that process at all, you know, because I believe that's the body's way of trying to heal or of healing itself. Um, but with babies, for some reason, and children, um, and I notice it in myself too, I think in culture as well, um, that we're very quick to distract or pacify or, you know, next thing, next thing. We don't, we don't want to listen to the big feelings. We want to like shut them down or, you know, and, and so why would it be different for babies? So that kind of was a big aha moment for me. Um, and the amazing thing is, 
that night, I think he cried, and this happens a lot in aware parenting too, because it's, uh, or for, with this approach, or from what I see with clients as well, or in consultations, is that when you start doing it, um, meaning listening to the crying, you're holding your baby or you're holding your child, um, if they're willing for you to to hold them, um, and they cry, and he he they tend to end up crying a lot because there's like a backlog. So it's almost like they end up crying more. You know, like with him waking up in the night, it was like he would wake up and then cry, and then I would feed him, and then he would go back to sleep. You know, but this time it was just letting sort of like a backlog of that eight months, the birth, maybe even the pregnancy, which was like rather tumultuous for me. So there was a lot. Um, that first night he cried for like an hour with me blasting the AC because I was sweating so much. Um, and then he fell asleep. And the amazing thing is he fell asleep with his arms like above his head, like totally relaxed, you know, like just laying like with abandon, like, and I had never even seen his body that way before like so free of the stress and tension and he slept started sleeping through the night and through his naps like this is that's when I I was that was my aha moment like I saw how his sleep was better how much more at peace he was how relaxed he was um and then also how much more aware he was during the day um so I turned to aware parenting for an approach to sleep that was trauma-informed, but it ended up changing my life so much more than I would have ever thought, meaning that also I just felt so much more empowered to, like, with the approach, you know, like it kind of gave me, and it still continues to this day, a guideline that really helps me understand stress and trauma and you know, all these things that and attachment as well um, so that I can actually choose how, you know, and choose how I want to parent based on those guidelines guidelines, um, because I, I wasn't raised that way. A lot of us weren't um, in terms of listening to big feelings um, and those things, you know, it's, it, it's just so prevalent in our culture to not listen to big feelings you know or distract from them pacify it's okay telling them oh it's fine it's okay you know um and there's nothing wrong with that i just think this is actually for me some an, a support uh, uh, an approach that actively supports well-being optimal health and well-being because not only are you um you're fostering or nurturing emotional health and physical health um, you're also, you know, then your child is more aware of their feelings, you know, their emotions, how it's affecting them. They're able to express it and release it and have that free from their bodies and move on. And they don't need lots of therapy or kinesiology sessions or whatever their, you know, therapy sessions or healing sessions later in their adult life. Um, so they actually cultivate healthy stress management habits, I guess is what I would say, hygiene. Um, they also, you know, with us modeling that compassion for them, they're able to hold space for themselves and their big feelings and be compassionate 
towards themselves as well as to others. And that to me, I just found that extremely profound. So I will eternally be grateful to Aletha Soldier, PhD, um, as her work has profound, profoundly impacted my life and it continues to do so. Um, so I'm just going to kind of list the ways that it has. So practicing aware parenting has not only given me better sleep, but it's also resulted in a more peaceful, aware, and alert child, which is why it's called aware parenting. Um, so shortly after this experience where I was so, wow, mind blown, I decided to become an aware parenting instructor. I read all of Dr. Solzer's books. Um, I will list them in the show notes. Um, and I joined Marion Rose, the the host I'd mentioned previously of the Aware Parenting Podcast, I joined her Aware Parenting Aware Parenting Instructor Mentoring Course for instructors-to-be and current instructors um, as guidance on um, being a, a, an Aware Parenting Coach Instructor. Um, so I am still continuing to learn from Marion and her course and the community, and I absolutely adore receiving her emails, so definitely do check her out. Um, I will include the link in the show notes, and she has so many lovely courses on aware parenting. Um, and so my main hope in becoming an instructor uh, is to inspire parents to approach sleep with the mindset that sleep doesn't need to be learned, our children have the innate ability to relax. I think human beings are do have that. We just need to understand and create the conditions um, for the relaxation and for the sleep to happen. Um, babies and children, I deeply believe this, are born knowing how to heal from stress and trauma. Um, and whether this is by crying or raging or, um, yeah, just, you know, releasing it from their bodies and instead of distracting or pacifying them in some way um, or leaving them alone you know we can actually support them in expressing and releasing what they need to express and release to to really as I said before um, what's uh, not you know to truly support optimal health and well-being um, and which attachment theory secure attachment does support so imagine I think what was so powerful about um, Dr. Solzer's work is imagining a world, you know, what a world would look like where this innate ability to heal is supported so that babies grow into children who trust themselves, who then mature into adults who trust themselves and are able to welcome those emotions, move through them, release the tension and the hurts, and are able to be present and compassionate to themselves and others. I mean, um, wow, that's something, you know, and that's something I think the world definitely needs right now. So if we supported this innate healing mechanism in children, the crying, the raging, the expression of big feelings to release stress and tension, then we wouldn't need, as I said before, all that other stuff when we're older. Um, it would just set us up a little better. Um, so it aware parenting changed my life in the sense as well, as I mentioned before, that it helped me be more empowered as a parent because parenting 
I've learned doesn't come naturally, especially if we're looking to parent in a way differently to how we were raised. Um, this approach gave me an evidence-based approach that focuses on secure attachment and getting my needs met as well. This was the amazing thing about it. It not only focuses on meeting the needs of your child, but also you as well. And for me, it was sleep and it, you know, really acknowledged that um, and gave me a guide to meet my needs, but also the needs of my child. So, and it's also changed my life in the sense of how I see things. When I see aggression in children and now even adults, I now see it as really accumulated, you know, accumulated stress or big feelings that really need to come out that have that have piled up or have been suppressed um, or distracted from, you know, or addictions, seeing how we view addiction in today's society as well. I mean, these are essentially coping mechanisms to deal with stress, trauma, pain, and, and these coping mechanisms, they're actually referred to as control patterns in aware parenting. Um, so in learning about how they develop in children, I've also become aware of my own. So as they say, research a lot of research ends up being research wanting to learn more about yourself so these control patterns are, i'm not going to go so much into them um, but yes i think they can you know they can actually create addictions later on in life meaning there are ways for us to you know they can start um, at an at, a, at an early age right where we're nursing or feeding for comfort um, and then later in life we end up overeating for comfort or and, and for me my control patterns I you know currently are carbohydrates and yes stress eating is a big one and you know it can even be like distracting us when you're used to being distracted from your feelings then you can grow up as an adult who you know mindless scrolling or you know kind of distracting ourselves that way so netflixing netflixing way more than we need to or you know instagram more, way more than we need to um so yeah and for me it, it is i think i said uh, i was very aware of it and i still am still working on those things um mine is coffee and carbs um so you know that really kind of shifted how I see things as well, like more in the continuum of how we we evolve as human beings and how stress and trauma and all of that can, you know, our coping mechanisms and determine sort of like, you know, how we also manage stress later in life. And then also can, you know, our mental, emotional, physical health, it's all related. Um, Aware parenting also encouraged me to examine my relationship with my feelings. Um, I, as I always say now, feeling is healing, but I was not always that way. Um, and, and this feeling is healing business and being able to listen empathically to the feelings of my son and my partner really strengthened our relationship with each other. It really, um, with Ori, I found listening to him cry and holding him and really kind of connecting in that way and saying, I'm here, I love you exactly as you are, you know, um, it was really intimate. It was like a really intimate, beautiful moment. And with my partner as well, I noticed that before when he would 
voice things very strongly. Um, I would either become defensive or shut down or dissociate or something. And now I really, um, I'm able to, you know, and I'm able to really sit and listen when there are big feelings coming my way, you know, and it's changed and without wanting to fix it immediately, et cetera. And, and it's really changed how we interact with each other as well. Um, and it's really given me the opportunity to connect with stress and tension that I need to release to support my own healing too. So really connecting with my big feelings. If I'm really irritable and I am, you know, annoyed at the person in front of me who is staring at their phone and not looking where they're going or, you know, I'm getting, um, what's the word, easily irritated by people, strangers, whatever, I know that somewhere, or even not strangers, you know, I know that somewhere in there, or if I'm, there's a cry or something, you know, or if I'm feeling really, you know, icky or depressed or not depressed or flat about something, sometimes I know it's really, there's now there's like a, there's some tears in there that need to come out and I'll watch a sad movie or I'll book a session with, someone, you know, whether it's a therapist or a kinesiologist for me, my go-to is kinesiology um, and cranio, my craniosacral therapist. I love her. Um, and sometimes I just really need a good cry or, you know, talking to a really dear friend who knows me so well and I know that she will listen to me um, and not try to fix it. Um, those are things I find so helpful for me and that have I've grown an awareness of since coming across aware parenting. Um, I truly believe that aware parenting has the capacity to make the world a better place. And this is what inspires me the most. Um, as I said before, and I will say it again, our world is in a pickle, all caps, italics, um, you know, we are in need of generations who are capable of thinking creatively and who are connected to themselves and who are compassionate towards themselves and kind and resilient and and kind and and compassionate with others too and aware parenting really supports this connection with its one focus on secure attachment and supporting children in releasing stress and healing from trauma and it also supports this in terms of compassion and kindness that comes from listening to the big feelings um, that come with releasing stress and tensions and healing from trauma. We give presence to the big feelings which children learn to do for themselves and eventually for others too. And adults learn to do that when we learn to do it for our kids if we didn't grow up with that. Um, and it's also massively changed my kinesiology practice. Again, aware parenting, just want to clarify, and kinesiology are not related. They are two separate things. Um, but it has changed or influenced the way that I practice and that I really do listen to clients and hold space for them to heal on their own and let their body do its thing, what it needs. Um, so the journey continues. I hope this is helpful to anyone who is struggling with their sleep and their child's sleep um, or their baby's sleep. Um, I do uh, have also a free guide um, with just kind of like sleep 
you know, aware parenting, sleep from an aware parenting approach, um, which you can download from my website, or I will include the link below. But just so you know, if you feel like you, you know, a, a secure attachment is very important to you, and you don't want to sleep train, there is another solution. And this is not only a solution to sleep, it's also just a different approach. It's not a one size fits all approach to sleep. By, by all means, there are no short one-stop shop solutions in aware parenting as there is in anything, I think, healing or trauma related because um, we're all so unique and our experiences are also unique. Um, but it is an approach to give you sort of an idea, right? Like a, like an, um, what's the word? Like, I like to say that sleep is a barometer for what's really going on. Like if we can't sleep at night as adults, if I can't sleep, I usually something's keeping me up. And, um, if it's, you know, my thoughts or I'm stressed or I'm anxious about something or I don't, you know, um, but it's a little more, uh, what's the word, multifaceted approach and also an understanding our children, you know, and also an understanding crying and, and expression of feelings and releasing of stress and tension and how that really affects sleep, which we are born knowing what to do. So, um, I think that was a, I, I digressed in that, but my point is there is a way that where you can get your sleep parents out there it is possible um and you can also support your child in you know being able to release the stress and tension and heal if that is what is um you know that is what's keeping them up at night and and, and again that may not be the only reason so just so you know i do emphasize that um you know, the expressing of big feelings or listening to the big feelings is so important. Um, but it's not the only, the only thing that needs to be met in order to have a peaceful night's sleep, right? So um, just quickly, the most common advice that parents seek is how to get their children to sleep with less frequent wakings and angst around bedtime. So if you're struggling, I totally hear you because I was there. Um, but I just want to clarify that for me, it really was um, the big feelings and really listening to the crying and allowing Ori to do that um, and being there for him. Um, but granted that all immediate needs have been met and children do need three things for peaceful sleep. They need to be tired. Um, they, need to be, they need to feel connected, like you're offering some sort of physical pres presence. Um, and they need to be relaxed. So like us adults, if we're anxious or worried, um, you know, we're likely to stay awake and really having a good cry can um, help us with that relaxation process. So that's why I emphasize that. Um, but I just want you to know if you're a parent and you're struggling with this, you are not alone. Um, I was there and I really struggled with that in terms of um, getting my needs met for sleep and also wanting to honor secure attachment um, and that was made possible for me by aware parenting um, 
which also made so much more possible. Um, so I hope that sharing this was helpful to you. And um, yes, I will include all the resources below if you're interested in learning more about aware parenting and its approach to sleep. And with that, I will say good night to you um, from the Netherlands where we are currently, which will change in the next month or so. Um, sending you so much love. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode of Raising Orion. If you have feedback, I'd love to hear from you at Leah, L-I-A, at RaisingOrion.com. And if you loved this episode, please do leave a review. I would so appreciate it. Last thing, remember, you are enough. So much love and see you next time.